couple of psukim, one in Parashas Achrimos, one in Parashas Kedoshim, always capture my imagination. The Torah gives us, the Torah commands us a prohibition twice, once in each parsha, once in each, once, once in each parsha, in Achrimos, don't do the things they do in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim that you used to live there, don't do what they do. Eretz Canaan that you will live there presently, don't do what they do. And don't walk in their ordinances. Don't follow the the customs of the non-Jews. Parshas Kedoshim, do not walk in the in the chukim, the laws of the, the customs of the the Gentiles. that I'm expelling before you from Eretz Canaan. They did all these things, and I was revolted by them. I expelled them, and I brought you in instead. This is the prohibition of chukus agayim. We're not supposed to copy the the customs of the non-Jews. A biblical prohibition. The question, of course, is the devil's always in the details, but more so here than usual. What am I not supposed to do? What, what they do all kinds of things. They they put on their pants one leg at a time. Also, what what, what uh, they they eat roast chicken for dinner. What what are we talking about? What what types of chukim that they do? Am I not supposed to do? This question is really already raised by the Taras Kohanim, the Midrash on Vayikra. The, the Midrash. Directly asked this question. It says, "Really, you can't do anything that the non-Jews do." I can't build buildings like them. I can't plant trees like them. The prohibition is only on chukim. The prohibition is only on things that can be described as chukim. We're talking about the chukim that are ancient traditions from their ancestors. Homosexuality, incest, a man, a man would marry both a woman and her daughter, polyandry, a woman having two husbands. So the Taras Khanim seems pretty clear that the Chukim are not anything the non Jews do. The Chukim are particular perverse customs that they have, customs that are moral abominations. All all the examples the Midrash gives are sexual abominations. Not clear if there are any others. That's what the Midrash says. Now, if that were the extent of the prohibition, it would be pretty simple. Don't engage. That's a big chunk of Pasha Sacramos and Kedoshim is about this, about sexual perversions. It It would be pretty simple. Stay away from the sexual perversions and you're fine. However, it's clear from the, the Gemara, the postkim, that is not the case. The, 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 the Gemara discusses other examples of customs of the non-Jews and debates whether they're prohibited as chukus agayim. The, for example, the Gemara of says, the Gemara says that, brings a b'risa, it says, Sorfen al hamalachim. When a melech died, they used to burn stuff. They used to, to, to accentuate and to commemorate and to... To under, underscore his loss, they 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 they, they would burn, they, they would burn property just to show the, how how devastated they were by the loss of the melech. That's not considered Emirate customs, which are prohibited. 
The Brisa says, that's okay. That's a legitimate custom. We do it. That's okay. The Gemara says, the Gemara has a question, is, is burning things for a melech, is that called chukah or not? Is that, is that, is that classified as a chukah? If that would be called chukah, how can we do that? Ela de kuliyam basrefa lav chukahi srefa is not is not just a chok ela chashivusahi it's a way of showing chashivus for the melech so the gemara goes back and forth on the question of whether just destroying property burning property for the sake of demonstrating our our avelus our devastation is a chukah or not if it's a chukah it's prohibited under the prohibition of b'chusam lo telechu if it's not a chukah if it's chashivusa then it's okay so clearly chashiv clearly chuk clearly the is not limited to sexual perversions. It includes anything that's a chok, even something that doesn't seem so objectionable, just burning property, maybe baltashkis, but the, even something like that potentially is a chukah. The Gemara debates whether it's properly considered a chukah or not, what exactly it means, whether it's a chukah. We're not going to get into the details of that sugya. I'll call upon him from this Gemara, from other sources, certainly in the, in the Rishonim, it is clear. That chukah is not limited to sexual perversions. Chukah is the, the idea of chukah is much broader. So the question is, what is it? What is prohibited as, as a chok? What is not? How, how do we understand what is prohibited by this, by, what is prohibited under this prohibition or not? Again, we have the Taras Khan, which says that building buildings and uh, doing, doing things like that is clearly not awesome. Putting on your pants the way the, way the non Jews do it. It's clearly not Asr. So, so the question is, so, 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 so what is Asr? What exactly is the Isr? What exactly is the Isr that the Torah is telling us not to do over here? Rav Asher Weiss says, he says, certainly we're going to see a, a very fundamental debate about how broadly to understand the concept of Chukim momentarily, he says. But Rav Asher Weiss says, everyone agrees, according to all opinions, even the, the opinion of the Vilna Gon, who's relatively strict, he says, he says, if we talk about useful things, the, the, the useful arts and sciences, kalim, machshirim, different types of utensils and, uh, and tools, apparatuses that do things, he says, that the Chachmim was Olam designed to, to help people, to labor-saving devices, that's certainly not If they invent a bicycle or a car or a treadmill or a, if they invent a sewing machine, there's no question the fact that there was a non-Jewish invention, invention the Nazis were very worked up about Jewish science and non-Jewish science. We, we, we don't have a notion of non-Jewish, of non-Jewish science and Jewish science. Science and things that make sense, things that are logical and efficacious and helpful. There's no history of Chukzeim lo That's not Chukzeim. Chukah. Chukah means a minah. Chukah means an artificial custom. That's not inherently, according to all opinions of Russia, Weiss says, Chukah has to be something artificial, something that's based on a convention. Something that makes sense, we do it because it's logical, that, 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 that's not Chukah. It's, there, are some, there are some things you can actually uh, that maybe straddle the, the, the straddle the line. People who go to uh, Oriental restaurants and use chopsticks. Are you doing it because it's easier, or are you doing it because it's uh, it's a style you feel Oriental? So right, yesh la ayin. But yeah. So right. So the so the, the question is, is, are we using chok here in a similar sense to the, the way we use chok? We describe paraduma as a chok or chukim umishpatim. We, we describe chukim as the laws that the umos haolam are uh, Rashi brings the, the midrash umos haolam criticize us for, and they and they uh, they they harass us for them. Why are you doing these things? It's something like that, but it could be more broadly. It could be something more broad, and it could be even a style which is not uh, mysterious, but, but if it's simply a matter of style and convention, what we'll discuss soon, 
that didn't come from Jewish sources, it could be that's a problem as well. But certainly anything useful, anything practical, Rav Asher Weiss says, is not, is not a chok. He says, he says, he says, a chok means something which is simply a, a style, a fashion, uh, the, the, a convention, but it doesn't have any objective, practical value. That's a discussion. He says, but the th- things which are practical and useful, that's certainly not a question of, that's really not a question of chok. Now, in terms of what, so what, what is a chok then? So there, there are two major opinions. The, the dominant opinion is the opinion of the Ramah in Shulchan Aruch, based on several Rishonim, the Ran, and several late Rishonim, the Ran and the Marik and the Rivash. That is the lenient opinion. That's an opinion that defines Chok relatively narrowly. The stricter opinion is the opinion of the Bir Hagra, the Gona Villa. The Bir Hagra, in his, comment, in his comments to that Ramah, the Bir Hagra descends strongly from the Ramah's lenient view. He defines Chok much, much more broadly over here, and he has a much stricter definition of of the prohibition of What is the machlokas? What's the issue? So we, we have these three major sources, the Ran, the Marik, and the Rivash, who all say more, different versions of the same idea. They all say that the prohibition of Chukzagayim is only those things where the minhag is either bizarre, it makes no sense, it's, it's, it's just uh, a silly or bizarre custom, or a superstitious custom, or a pagan custom, or a custom that has, that's rooted in immodesty, or somehow is against Jewish values, there's something wrong with the custom. At, at, at best, it's a, it's a bizarre and, and um, baffling custom, and at worst, it seems to have either pagan or uh, pagan elements, or elements of uh, immorality and decency. That's, what, that's the issue of Even if it's not something that would be strictly usher necessarily, if not for this love, but if the custom itself is, is problematic in the sense that it has no rational explanation and it has no, uh, it has, at best, it seems like a superstitious or baffling custom, and at worst, it's, it, it's actually against Jewish values, those are the customs that are being prohibited by the prohibition of Bukhuksam Lotelech. This point is made by, as I said, by, by several Rishonim, including the Rivash. The Rivash was talking about a custom that the 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 Rivash the, the Rivash was talking about a custom that that Avelim who, who don't leave their homes that they don't go to work and then during during the shiva he says there was a minog in a certain community that they would visit the cemetery during each day of the shiva minog rash ocean baratzahi lotzis lebeisachayim boker kol shivas imayavelos they would go out to, to the cemetery in the morning every day of the shiva. Anyone who's mechoyiv and avelus, and he says the this custom was clearly borrowed from the Arabs, from the Muslims. That's what, at least, that's how it was presented to the Rivash. The Rivash says his correspondent had said to people, "This is not a Jewish custom. It's, a, that's a, it's, it's against our tradition. It comes from the Ishmaelim, and it is Oster. So the Rivash discusses whether that's really the case, whether it's really Oster, whether, whether even assuming it did come from the Ishmaelim. He says, he says, he says that when they go to the basic varos, whether to say a hespid or to say other types of tefillos, he says, Ein and hagam, we don't need to abolish this custom, he says, we shouldn't abolish it. It is done for the cover of the mace. It's not just a pagan superstition. We do it to show our respect for the mace. He says, even though in general we don't, you know, this is not against, this is not normally how we do things in our Masora. we don't normally leave the house during Shiva, 
But good, but he says even even Halanas a mace. Halachi is supposed to bury a mace the day he dies. You're not supposed to leave the mace overnight. The one loophole, the one exception is, which we often do, is that if it's if it'll increase the cover of the mace, you can get more people at the funeral or a more appropriate funeral. Then we do it because the the the, the, the of halanas a mace is set aside for cover of mace. Says the rivash here as well. So the, as long as we're doing this for the cover of the mace, we're leaving the, the shiva to go demonstrate cover for the mace. That's okay. Now, what about the issue of kuksagayim? It came from the Ishmaelim. The Ishmaelim. Even, it's true they do it, and maybe it's true that we got it from them. That doesn't make it a chok. He brings the Gemara we mentioned earlier, Sarfin al Hamalachim, that you're allowed to burn property to show your 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 devastation, your tsar for the mace. It's not a chukah, it's chashivusa, it, it's a way of show, showing chashivas. Even though the Goyim do this as well, they, they also have this custom of burning and so on. So he says, Lo if so, if you would really say that anything, no matter how logical that the Goyim do, we have to ask her as well. Let's prohibit Hesper as well. The Goyim do Hesper too. They, 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 they give eulogies as well. So he says that uh, it, it doesn't work like that. Anything which, which, which is done for the Hashivas of the Mace, even if it comes from the Goyim, even if the Goyim do it, it doesn't matter. He says the, it doesn't matter. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not considered a chok if it's done for a sensible purpose, like showing covet for the mace. That's the rivash. So according to the rivash, anything that has a, a logical purpose, a, a rational purpose, a purpose of chashivas and covet for the mace, is not chuk sagayim, even if we got this particular form of havelus from the, from, from the goyim. Ravadi Yosef has a major tshuva on this topic. Two major tshuvas. One of them was, one of them is about... Avelim wearing black mourning. Among the Goyim, Avelim wear mourning. You read, in England, they have all kinds of rules. Heavy mourning, light mourning, a darker black. When, when you first start mourning, a lighter black, an older widow, a younger widow. It's a whole social convention. But basically, mourners wear black at the funeral for a certain amount of time. After the funeral, the mourners wear black. So the question is, is a Jew allowed to wear black, a back, black armband, a black ribbon in his hat? Is it full black? Is, is a Jew allowed to wear black as a sign of mourning? And another tshuva, he talks about putting, putting flowers on, uh, on a coffin, on a grave, on, a, on human remains. Are you allowed to lay wreaths or put flowers on, on coffins? That's also it's not a Jewish custom. We don't do flowers. We do rocks on the grave, but, but we, we don't do flowers. Goyim do flowers. So the question is, is there, a, is there an issue of to, uh, to, you know, to, to, to copy these customs of the non-Jews? Ravadi Yosef is lenient. First of all, he argues that some of these customs have Jewish sources as well, even if they're not the standard Jewish minog, but they do have Jewish sources in Midrashim. And also, he says, we have this general rule following the Rivash and various Rishonim. He says, we'll get to the other Rishonim soon. He says, the, get to some of the other Rishonim soon. He says, even things that the Goyim do, that we do, that we do in, the, in imitation of the Goyim, as long as they are sensible, that we, we, we can explain what the, what the reason is. It's a way of showing Hashivas for the mace. Covered for the mace, that's fine. That's not B'chuksem L'Telechu. What B'chuksem L'Telechu was talking about is things that are mysterious and superstitious and have no rational explanation, but things that they do for covered a mace, even if it's something which is not you know, immediately obvious, it's not, it's, not, it's not something that, like using a fork to eat, which just makes sense because it works, even something which is just a social convention, but if it's something that we can interpret and, and has, a, has a logical explanation, that's not considered B'chuksem L'Telechu, and that is fine. There's a 
Sorry? Flowers in the grave as well. I, I didn't have a chance. We, we generally don't do it. And Ravadi himself says, Ravadia says, if, 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 that if mourners want to do flowers in the grave, we, we, the coffin, we should tell them that we have, we tell, try to explain to them gently, we have our own minhagim, and you can honor the mace through the Jewish tradition. There's no need to, to start copying minhagim of the Gaim, he says. But if it's hard for them to hear, if, they, if, it, if they're distraught and they're not in a listening mode, he says, it's not Oscar, he says, you don't, you don't have to make a fuss about it because at the end of the day, it's not Oscar because it be, it's, it's not because it's just a very logical thing because of Kukusagai. The Marik, we'll discuss more about flowers in a moment, flowers and shoes in a moment, but the, the Marik has a tshuva. The Marik was asked that physicians in a certain area, medical doctors, used to have a particular type of garment they used to wear. As a, as a sign of pride that they were physicians, to advertise their services, that, that, they, were, that they were trained physicians. Again, it wasn't something that just helped them do their job, like a medical, like a lab coat or something, or a, or a face mask. It was, it was a particular garment that, that was just like a uniform, a style that doctors wore to advertise and to publicly show their medical training. Someone asked, is, is a Jewish doctor allowed to wear that? Is that a prohibition? The Marik said, no, it is not, it's fine, he says, because he says the, the Isra B'chuk Telechu only applies in one of two cases, he says. Either, either he says, a minhag which has no rational explanation, it has no rational explanation, and therefore we suspect that it's uh, pagan, it's of a Dezara. The, the archaeologists, when, when they go digging up, when they go, when they go digging up, uh, you know, old things, so, so they find uh, a glass, they say this is a, this is a drinking glass. They find money, they say this is money. Anything else, they find something they don't understand, they say this is probably totemic or has some kind of religious or, uh, or uh, ritualistic significance. That's kind of the catch-all. Anything that has no rational meaning, they say probably has a religious significance. So that's the idea of that's the idea of as well. The Marik says anything that has no logical explanation we say is uh, we, we say is, is possibly of Zara. and yeah, that and even if it would actually be of Zara, you certainly couldn't do it. Even if we don't know it's of Zara, that's the prohibition of Buchsamotelechu that the Torah wants us to stay away from things that uh, that are suspicious, that 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 smack that smack of idolatry. Because uh, what is it if, if, if there's no if there's no earthly explanation for it? We say maybe it's, we say maybe it's of Zara, Likely it's of Zara. That's one category of Chukzagayim according to the Marek. The other category is, he says, minhagim, styles, fashions that they do. Again, a neutral fashion is fine. We wear, we wear pants, they wear pants. The, the vests were in style, vests were out of style, hats were in style, hats were out of style. That's fine. That, that's not chuksagai. But the Marik says a style which is, which is immodest, which is what he calls big day shachatz vegava, garments that are vulgar, that are showy, and that are that lack the modesty that, that Jewish clothing has. He brings, he, he brings from the Gemara about this, about how Jews used to dress in more refined and more uh, less ostentatious clothing. So style, even, even though, again, even though it's not, normally it wouldn't be an Isra Daraisa to dress in vulgar clothing, it's not tasteful, but it's not Aser, that's Chukzai Goyim. If, if you dress in the, in the clothing of the Goyim, a style that, that is uh, immodest and un-Jewish, and it's a Goyish style, that's what Samuel says the Marik. So unless the custom is either bizarre, so it's, uh, it's therefore it's, 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 it smells of paganism and superstition, or it's a custom that, that has a bad aspect associated with it, it has some element of immodesty or, or un-Jewishness associated with it, that's Bukhuk Samuel 
but a, but a normal custom, even a fashion, even if it's just something that's a style, that's okay. Similar to the ran, similar similar to the rivash we mentioned, anything that has a that anything that has a more or less logical explanation, even if the logic just is that's a style this year, that's fine. Unless it's something that that that's bizarre and baffling and, and that might be pagan or superstitious, or it's something that's objectively objectionable, that's chuksagayim. Other things are not chuksagayim. Hence, Rav Avadia's mekil on the questions we mentioned. Hence, the the, the rivash was mekil in his case of going to the going to the cemetery. The marik was mekil in his case of wearing the uniform, because that, and that's the general trend of the of the poskim. There are normal paskins this way. That's the general trend of the poskim to define chuksagayim fairly narrowly. That unless it's an inherently objectionable custom, or a or a bizarre and, and superstitious sounding one, it's not awesome. In the Sefer Krachel Romi, one of the most famous chuvas on on, the, on this topic. The, so the Krachel Romi was a was a Sefer written by Rav Yisrael Chazan, Yisrael Moshe Chazan. He was a Rav in Rome, as the name of his Sefer sounds. And he he the, the, the very first siman of the Sefer he has a uh, he has a famous question. He says people are coming late to shul. So they said, okay, maybe, maybe they don't know what time shul is. So they decided they would uh, they would arrange a kind of uh, they would they, 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 they would arrange uh, they would arrange a kind of uh, a kind of calendar. Uh, they wrote it in Italy. They, 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 they Italian. They, they wrote they wrote up this 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 manum chart. People still came late. They still were coming late. They had all kinds of excuses. They say they just get busy. They lose track of the time. So the proposal. Was was put forth to build an orologio. Uh, a horologio is a clock. We would call it. Or, um, the, the, they wanted to build a clock tower. The shul would have a tower, and then, or the, in, in the chutz or the shul, and it would be, it would have a uh, it would, right. You could see it on high, and it would you might even have a bell. He says. He says uh, it would have a bell. And uh, the, so, see, the, the, the tower itself, they agree, was a good idea. But they wanted to know about the bell. Why is that an issue? Because in the Christian churches, in the Bate Knesios and Otsrim, they have such a clock with a bell. And uh, it's not actually a religious service, he says. It's not, it's not, it's not actually uh, ringing the bell to, 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 to chime the hour. It's not actually a religious service, he says. But maybe, maybe it's Bukhusayim Lotelechu. That was the question they asked: Is there b'chuk sam lo in building a clock tower to, uh, to 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 announce the time? So Rav Chazan says, "No, it is not b'chuk sam lo telechu," and he and his basic approach is to follow this marik and these other sources that we've said that b'chuk sam lo telechu is only if there's something baffling and mysterious and pagan and superstitious or inherently immoral and uh, indecent and un-Jewish about it. A clock tower falls into none of those categories, he says. And he goes on for some pages trying to prove that anything that has a rational explanation that's logical and sensible and understandable is not telechu. In the course of his discussion, he has one of the most incredible uh, anecdotes in the, in, the, in the halachic literature. He says that he swears, he knows he's saying something controversial, he says, I promise, he says, He says, when I was in Smyrna, the great Svardic city of Smyrna, so I, I saw, he says, that the Gedolei Chachamim of Fursamim, some of the great famous scholars of that city, he says, Izmir, Smyrna, was one of the, was one of the greatest cities of uh, Svardic Torah and culture for centuries. So in Smyrna, he said, I saw the great famous Chachamim, 
and some of them were great poets, great great singers, Mishorim Gedolim al Mishkal Hamuzika, and in particular Rabbi Avraham Cohen Ariash, and he says when they wanted to design melodies and nigunim uh, for the Yom Noraim, and we want to evoke the proper emotional register of Hachna Gedola, of deep submission to God, he, what they would do was, in order to craft the music, they would go to the churches, the Christian churches, behind a partition, they, they would have a little mechitza for them, they would go to the churches on their holidays where they would have the church music, and they would learn the, the they would learn the, the, the techniques that the, that the church music used because he says because because that music apparently was very well calibrated to evoke these the, these emotions of religious submission and so on and they would take those melodies and they would use they would work them into kaddish and kedusha Dover pella Maisa Rav Kazeh, this is a Maisa Rav, he says, the great Chacham did this. It's a Siyua Gadol, it's a great support to everything we've said. You see, borrowing from the Goyim, borrowing from the churches, he says, even that's Mutter, as long as it has a, a logical and sensible explanation, it's not some kind of superstitious, it is religious, and it is religious music, but the point is, it's just, uh, we understand exactly what it is, there's nothing... Uh, you know, it's not Christological music, it's just music that's meant to evoke a, a, a human feeling of submission and hachnan, and that's what we want. There's nothing wrong with that, he says. And that is the, and that is the, and that's Mutter, and that's the sheet of the Krakshal Romi, and this is the dominant view of many postcards. The great Cholik on all this, the, the great dissenting view, is the opinion of the Gona Vilna. The Gona Vilna, in his comments to the Shulchan Aruch, in his comments to the Ramah, who brings this view that, that the things that have a rational basis, that are understandable, that are not superstitious, are not Bukhuksem Lotelechu. So on that, the Bira Agra is cholik at great length. The, the, his argument has to do with how to read various Gemaras, how the, how the Rishonim read the Gemaras, how he reads the Gemaras. He argues basically that, that this is not the, the, the implication of the Sugis and the Gemara. But the bottom line is, he comes out, Lachumra, even a custom that is not superstitious, even a custom that is just a style or a fashion, if it comes from the Gayim, it's Usser even if it doesn't fit into any of these categories of superstitious and indecent and immodest, it doesn't matter. If it's a Goyish custom, it is Usher. And, and, and this, this, this sheet of the Vilna Gon is, again, sort of Usher Y said, that doesn't include things like using forks or driving a bicycle or a car. That's just useful. Things that are useful and sensible, everyone agrees as much. The, the Machlokas is about things that are conventions. They, they, they make sense. We can understand why they have such a convention. But ultimately, it's, it's not something that's inherently and objectively useful. It's a, it's a social convention. That's the Machlokas, as Rosh Weiss explains, that the, uh, on that type of thing, the, the Gras said, the, the says, says that the... the that the that the Gros says it's Asir and the Ross says it's Mutter. In our time, Rabatal Zolti. Rabatal Zolti, one of the great postcom in Yerushalayim, great Rabbanim in Yerushalayim, he was asked about military funerals involving the, the shooting of discharging of firearms and laying of wreaths. Are you allowed to do those things? Uh, to, is a Jew allowed to do those things as a, to, 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 to commemorate someone's death with a military funeral? Says Rabatal Zolti, this is the Machlokas, he says. There's nothing objectively useful about firing a gun or laying a wreath, but it's not superstitious, it's not un-Jewish, it's just a way of showing covered for the mace. It's chashivusa. So he says, according to the other poskim, this would be mutter. According to the other poskim, this is fine. According to the gra, he says, this would be a problem. So he has a long tshuva, he goes, he has all kinds of, uh, of Torah in the, he has all kinds of Torah in the sugya, in the sugya. 
And he says, at the end of the day, he says, at the end of the day, he says, Maskanas Advarim, he says, the, the ceremony of a, of a military funeral, he says, since it's not of a Dezara, it just covered a mace, he says, Ramah Paskins, it's Mutcher. Most Rishonim say that, 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 that even, even the Rishonim say that there's an Isra of Abu Khazim, if it's not of a Dezara, it's Drabanan, he says, there's more basis to be leniency. There's even a minority opinion, there's one outlier opinion that says, Chazal enumerated a list of certain practices in the Gemara that they said were Darchei Amari, certain popular superstitions of their time. They, they, they said these are all Darchei Amari. So there goes the money, it says only those things are Asr. That's an exhaustive list. Anything else not on that list is Mutter. We don't pass him like that, but there is a Shashita. So therefore he says there, there is Makam to be lenient, largely on the basis of the Ramah, that anything that's just a way of showing covered, just a Hashivas, it's not pagan and it's not indecent as Mutter. However, he says the grow is more Machmer. The grow is more machmer. The goan doesn't like the ramah. Anything that's not in the Torah that we got from the goyim, and anything we wouldn't do if not for them, it's not logical enough that we would do it on our own. Is an isra. It's an isra of Therefore, military funerals, we certainly wouldn't have come up, come up with this this protocol on our own. And therefore, according to the gra, it is usher as Again. You know, the question is, do we have to be choshish for the gra against the Rishonim, against the Ramah? But Sal Zalti felt that we should, that there's makam lahachmer, not to have a military funeral because of the Shita Sagra. Rav, Rav Yechilak of Weinberg was not, uh, was not too impressed with this. He said, Hifriz uh, Alamida, he says, why do you have to be so machmer? He said that the. He said that 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 he thinks that he thinks Rabbi Sal Zolti is being he thinks he thinks he thinks Rabbi Sal Zolti is being is being rather too machmer. He says they're, they're against the rivash. Even the Gra only said it's us if you want to learn from them. But but just to do it, so, he said just to do it so, so they don't look at us as being barbarians to avoid being humiliated. He says that's fine. Hifris Agon and The three day says that Rabbi Sal Zolti went too far, and he doesn't think it's uh, you need to go so far. Rav Asher Weiss also seems to be choshesh for the, for the Gra. He goes through this whole sugya, and he says, various minhagim of people who are not so faithful to the tradition, he says, the, he gives the example of putting uh, floral wreaths on graves, he says, even though according to the Ramad Smutter, as Rav Adya says, according to the mainstream sheet of the Rishonim and Ramad Smutter, yesh tam vesfar, there's a good reason for doing it, he says. Mikomakam, he says, aliba da Gra. He says, Rav Asher, according to the Gra, it, 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 it's a shalav and isra da and certainly it's pashut, this minog is not covered of the mace, that we should uh, adorn him with minhagim with the gayim, that he doesn't need that, he says, you shouldn't do it. Similarly, he says, make monuments to honor the fallen, he says, he says, that's not what we do, that's not a Jewish custom, he says. Avshalom, Avshalom made a monument, he says, who said that was right? Avshalom was not, uh, we don't know that what Avshalom did was right. Then he says something very timely, he says something very controversial, he says, v'chein mashinagu ba'midas dom. Standing, standing silent, moments of silence during the siren. He doesn't mention the siren, but he says, standing silent as uh, for a moment. Uh, he says, Yesh lachush, you should, that's a shaila of an Isra Daraisi, he says, Balav shal Torah, Lashita Sadarneinu Hagrazal, Venkan Makomamash. So he says that the standing the moment of silence, standing during the siren, is a shaila of an Isra Daraisa according to the Grah, and therefore it's something that should be avoided. Uh, recently, Rabbi, not, Rabbi Dr. Nathan Slifkin, 
in what? No, no. In the time of the Grah, there were obviously no sirens, but Rav Asher Weiss argues, similar to Rabbi Salzelti, that according to that according to the understanding of the Gra, that even things that make sense that are just a way of showing covered and chashivas, memorializing something, even things like that, if they aren't things that are logical enough that we come up with on our own and we got them from non-Jewish sources, even that is usher as chukas Now again, the Ramah is, the Ramah is mekil and the Rishonim are mekil, but Rav Asher Weiss, like Rabbi Salazelti, seems to feel that, especially in a sensitive issue like this, he seems to feel, maybe particularly in a sensitive issue like this, he seems to feel that one should be choshesh for the gra and not barom and hugim from the gayim, even if, according to the Ramah, they'd be mutter. Rabbi Dr. Natan Slifkin recently had a piece arguing that standing still during the siren should be mutter, according to the Ramah, according to the mainstream shita, that anything that's not pagan and superstitious and un-Jewish should be mutter. Again, that's true, but we see that there are some posts who feel you should be choshesh for the gra, and that we should avoid doing things that are chuk even if the Ramah would be mekel, based on Rishonim, he should be choshesh for the Gra. Again, the Sri Deish felt, you know, why be so machmer? And especially the point of the Sri Deish, why be misganib of Neagayim? Why create a chil Hashem? So arguably in Israel also, not standing during the Sire and creates machlokas. You can argue that, that, that all we're doing is trying to avoid machlokas even, so you know, why, why do that? I'll call upon him, Rav Asher Weiss felt that standing, that's just standing for the moments of silence is a, is a, is a real challenge. in Israel Daraisa, according to the Shita Sagra. Now the truth is, the Shita Sagra comes up, apparently, an apparent application of the Shita Sagra comes up in another context, which is also the subject of a major machlokis, and that is the question of trees and, and greenery in the shuls and homes on Shavuos. So there's, a, there's an ancient custom to have flowers, greenery in shuls and homes on Shavuos. One version is to have trees in the trees in particular on Shavuos. The Vilna Gaon was reported to have been opposed to this. We don't have an actual, it's not in his actual Bir Hagra, but it's reported in reliable sources, including the Chayadam and other Achronim, that the, that the Gra was opposed, some say he was opposed to trees, some say he was, trees in particular, some say he was opposed to the entire custom of greenery in the shuls, because he said it was Chukas He said it, that this is something that the non-Jews do, and on their holiday, and we shouldn't do it. Now, when, 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 I, when I first saw, many, many years ago when I was a kid, when I first saw that the grow was opposed to trees because he said it was a non-Jewish custom, I said, okay, that's probably Christmas trees he's talking about. The, the, he, he did not actually mean Christmas trees. So the Chayadim says what he meant was, he meant Pentecost. He meant the holiday of Pentecost. Pentecost is the holiday of the 50. It is a holiday that some Christians celebrate. It's 50 days after, I think, Easter. So... Shavuos is 50 days after Pesach, and Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. It's a holiday around Shavuos time. Some Christians, East, Eastern Christians, some Eastern Christians have a custom that they use trees and greenery in their churches to, they, they decorate the, the churches and, the, and, and, and even the churches, they decorate them with greenery to, in honor of the holiday. And that's what the Goan meant. The, the, the Goan said they have a holiday right around Shavuos time that they use trees or greenery to decorate the churches, and therefore, it's chukas for us to do it. And many, many Litvish poskim follow this. Many, many of the Lithuanian poskim the, follow this. The, 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 the Chayadim brings, this is, the Gaon held with chukas And while, while, there were, while there were some who disagreed with the Gra, there were, there were some who, uh, there, there, there were some who accepted it. The, the 
the Archa Shulchan brings it. Archa Shulchan brings it. Ramosha Feinstein brings it. The that that the gun was opposed, to, and, and and some some say the gun was opposed to all things, not just trees, all greenery. He was opposed to the whole custom of having having these things in the shuls at all. Lamai saw other achronim did not agree. Other achronim said it was fine. The custom is fine. Yosef Shol Nathanson, the author of the Shalom Eshev, said it's fine. And why is it fine? Because he said, we know the, the, the halachas like the Ramah, that the, the prohibition of Kuksagayim only applies to things that are idolatrous or superstitious, but anything which is just a means of showing covered is fine. Now, the, 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 the question is, the question is, does it depend on whether we have a rational reason for doing it or whether they have a rational reason for doing it? So the Shalom Eshev seems to think that the question is whether they had a rational reason. It, it, it's not, it may not be enough that we, we certainly have a reason for putting trees and, and flowers and shavuos. We have several reasons. Some say, it was, some say it's because Bechag Nidonim, Magen Avram brings because Bechag Nidonim al Peres Elon, that's how we have trees. Some say, some say um, I think Nidonim al Peres Elon, or it's the, it's the, it's, it's because of Nidonim al Peres Elon. Some say it was just Simcha for Matan Torah to, to, to show how happy we are with Matan Torah. Some say because it's a Zecher to because since it says don't let the cattle graze on Harsinai, there must have been things growing there. So we have all kinds of reasons. But the, the Shalom Eshev was interested in whether, in whether the Christians had a reason or whether they were doing it for some religious or superstitious reason. So the Shalom, in a fascinating passage, the, the Rav Yosef Shalom Nathanson records that he had people ask the, the Goyim, why do you do this? Explain to us the, the rationale for your custom. And he received a reply from a Christian elder, some elder in the church, who said, no, it's not, it's not anything Christian, it's not any uh, religious thing, it's just a way of showing covered and beautifying the, the church in honor of the holiday. Says the Sholem very similar to the Krach Romi. if that's all it is, if it's just a way of making the churches look pretty, we can do that too, that's not Darche Amori, the, if, they, if, they, if they have nice churches, we can have nice shuls. If they have uh, nice music, we can have nice music. If they have nice flowers, we can have nice flowers as well. That was the position of the of of the of the Sholem Eshev, the Marsham. The Marsham also justified the custom against the Gra, and, and he also justified it based on the fact that Lahalacha, we follow the Ramah who says anything that has a rational basis, anything that's logical and sensible and is being done for a normal reason, a sensible reason, is not chuk he doesn't look at the Christian reason, he looks at our reason. Our reason, like I said before. He says, because the Magan Avram said, the reason is because that's the reason. That's a rational reason. He's not, he's not interested in why the Christians do it. He's interested in why we do it. Since we have a rational reason, he says, that's fine. So one way or another, the, these poskim who rejected the Gra's opposition, to, who def- these poskim defended the Minog of having trees and flowers on Shavuos, greenery on Shavuos, they rejected the Gra, and they said, because Lahalacha, we, we don't paskin like this. Lahalacha, we paskin. That Chukas HaGayim does not apply to Minhagim that have a rational basis, Minhagim that are sensible and logical, and we can, we can explain the reason for them. That's not Chukas HaGayim. The Gra seems to have been Lashitasi. The, the Gra, as we mentioned in Bir HaGra, is not happy with the Ramah. The, the Gra has a lengthy a lengthy piece uh, dissenting from the Ramah, arguing that the Ikra and the Gemara is in any custom that, that, that's a non-Jewish custom, even if it's not superstitious, and it's not pagan, and it's not immoral and indecent, it's still Aser. So the Gra seems to have been Lashitase that he took a much stricter view of Kuksagayim, he, de- he defined it much more broadly, and therefore took a much stricter view of the prohibition that all kinds of things are Aser as Kuksagayim, even if they, even if they have, uh, they're not totally irrational. 
But uh, the other post who defended the Minnick said, we don't pass him like that. Like, like the Krakshal Romi said, like Ravavadya said, like the... We're not kosher for the grow. We don't grow like the grow. We go that any custom that's logical and sensible and rational is not prohibited as Chuk Sagayim, and therefore, and therefore, the custom of trees and greenery and Shavuos is okay. More recently, I saw that the custom of dressing up on Purim, there was some, some Sephardic postkim who actually argued that the custom of dressing up on Purim may even be pro- should, possibly should even be prohibited as Chuk Sagayim. The, the custom of dressing up on Purim, nobody really knows where it begins. It goes back to, the, to Italy about 600 years ago, at least. But nobody really knows where it comes from. People have tried to find uh, basis in Midrash for it, but realistically, the, there's no actual source for, for dressing, no early source for dressing up. And some of the Sfargim, who, who didn't have this custom, they, they, they looked on it a little bit suspiciously. And they said... This, this is found in Rabbi Yosef Masas as well as in um, as well as in Romer Mazuz, a contemporary Sephardic authority. They say that it seems to have come from the European holiday of Carnival. The, Europe, the Europeans have a, car, have a have a holiday called Carnival, which involves a lot of uh, letting things hang out, letting loose, and kind of uh, in, 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 indulging our lower nature and our physical nature, and involves dressing up and masks and so on. And it's right around Purim time. And therefore, the, some of the Sephardim said, if, if you're looking for a problematic custom, you know, we, can suggest, uh, we can suggest dressing up on Purim, which, is, which, which, seems, which, which is a custom that may very well come from, the, come from the, the Christians or even from the ancient pagans, from the ancient Greek and Roman uh, holidays in honor of Dionysus and Venus and so on, not unsavory company. And they actually, Ramazu said, he wouldn't ask for Allah Chalamaisa, and even Rav Masas is focusing mostly on cross-dressing, which has its own problems. But nevertheless, uh, some of these Sfardim did raise this issue that even, even, uh, even as beloved and as innocent-seeming a custom as dressing up on Purim may, may arguably have its roots in, in, in non-Jewish custom. And even that might be a problem. Of course, if, if there is a rational reason why we do it, if we can come up with a real reason, then again, according to the Ramad be mutter the question is, do we really have a real reason? Is there a real reason for dressing up on Purim? There are all kinds of reasons offered... Uh, offered or for Alpi Drush. But, the, but that's, that's another case where this comes up, this question of, of whether Chuk Sagayim comes in to, to, prohibit a, to prohibit a popular practice, a practice that, is, uh, that, 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 that may have had its origins from the Gayim, that's something that the Gayim do. There's, a, there's, there's another interesting question that... There, 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 there's another interesting question that what do we do what do we do with customs that that originated among the non-Jews but eventually became Jewish customs as well the 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 Dry Yeshua Rav Yeshua Menachem Ehrenberg a, a favorite post of mine from the modern era he says he says that the he says he once visited. He says he says he once visited the Chafetz Chaim, back in back in Europe, I guess. I visited his yeshiva. He says, and I saw Rav Ehrenberg was a ger chassid. Rav Ehrenberg was uh, in some ways very much a traditionalist. He says he says I I Rav Ehrenberg I visited the Chafetz Chaim, and I saw the Talmidim were megadle bluris. They had long hair, velovshim bigdei shachetz vegava, and they were wearing. Uh, uh, appalling modern styles, arrogant, uh, uh, haughty, and uh, vulgar styles. 
and that sounds very guyish. Rav Ehrenberg as a Hasidish wasn't a big fan of, uh, of, of dressing, uh, dressing in the latest and greatest young people styles. We know, we know the yeshivas in Europe of a century ago, as is well known, the, the, they, they were fashion plates. They, they often dressed quite stylishly. Rav Ehrenberg, coming from a different tradition, wasn't too, too excited about that. Of course, the Hasidim themselves wear clothing that used to often be the clothing of the Polish aristocracy, they say. That's a different question, though. But anyway, he said, I saw the yeshiva students were wearing these, uh, these vulgar, guyish fashions, he says. And, I, uh, and, and, and he says, they told me, they, they, they say, they, they defended themselves, they say, oh, Jews do this as well. So it's not it's no longer a guyish custom, now it's a Jewish custom as well. The same way, this is what we do in America, I guess. We, we wear the latest styles as well. We go to the same stores, many of us buy our suits and our dresses and our hats and our shoes in the same stores that the, that the Goyim do, so we buy the latest styles. And that's what these students of the Chavetz Chaim told of Ehrenberg. They said, yes, these are Goyish styles, but Jews wear them as well. So it's not, that's not called the Goyish style if Jews wear it also. Says of Ehrenberg, where is there a gvul? Just because Jews have, the, unfortunately, have, become, have, been, have been adopting the Goyish styles, he says, he says, uh, we, we can't just change. He says, if there's a clear minhag of the, the, that, that, we, that we, we Jews do one thing one way, we can't just switch, he says. He says, maybe here we're just a question of style. He says, uh, he says just, just because partuba pratzos, just because these students have begun copying the Gaim, that eliminates the Isser, he says. It's no longer an Isser. If it's a Gaim style, we shouldn't be doing it. The fact that Jews have started doing it, he doesn't think that that's a... Uh, you can't just change halacha because of that, he says. He says, uh, he says, he says, he discusses with the Chavetz Chaim. He doesn't say what the Chavetz Chaim's answer was. He says, Danti Apparently, he, he, he remonstrated with the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim doesn't sound like he listened to him about it. But, okay, so this is also a question. W- w- when is something called a Gaish custom? And when, is a cust- when, has a, when, when do we say a custom has been so assimilated into, uh, into Jewish practice that we say now it's a Jewish custom? So that's also an issue. I'll call upon him. The, 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 the main theme we've been discussing tonight is that the, the, the mainstream approach takes a lenient view, takes a narrow view of Kuksagayim. Kuksagayim is only something that has no rational explanation, that's, that, that's superstitious and pagan or immoral and uh, vulgar and unJewish and immodest. Those are the things that are usher. Anything that has a minug, anything that has a rational basis, the Goyim do it for a rational basis. For, we do it for a rational basis. It's fine, even if we, even if we got it from them. That, that's the opinion of Ravavadya and the Krach Romi and the, the Sri Deesh and the, and the, and the Sholem and the Marsham. In all the various cases, greenery on Shavuos, floral wreaths on the graves, the, the Rishonim dressing light in, in, in physician uh, uniform and so on. The, the clock tower, the so the, the, the dominant consensus is that things that we do, even if they're things the Goyim do and, and they, we seem to be following the Goyim, that's okay as long as it has a logical reason. Rav Asher Weiss says, the, according, to, the, according to Rav Asher Weiss, the clock tower might be mutter anyway because even the Grey says would agree that uh, an invention, a useful tool, a useful technology, if it's useful, even the Grey would agree. The Grey is only talking about arbitrary conventions that show covered or hashivas, but a useful thing, lakuli alma's mutter, but, but, but certainly the most poskim, except the Grah, and those who follow the Grah, say that anything that's sensible and not un-Jewish and indecent is fine. We do have the opinion of the Grah, both in his Bira Grah and in his objection to the, 
greenery on Shavuos. We do have the opinion of the Gra that's much stricter, that takes a broader view of Chuk Sagayim, that anything that's a Gaiish custom that they got first, that we learn from them, is prohibited, even if uh, there is a rational basis, even if it's not completely arbitrary and superstitious and un-Jewish. There are some post-Kimuachoshish for that in various contexts, with Sal Zelti, Ravashawais, and in various in various contexts are Choshish for that, and perhaps those poskim who were those Litvish poskim who were Choshish for the for the gra regarding flowers and shul. But the bottom line is, as we've said, that that does not seem to be the consensus. The consensus seems to follow the Ramah and the Rishonim and numerous Achronim that anything that's not un-Jewish and indecent and immoral and superstitious is mutter, even if it is a non-Jewish custom.